Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, March 2nd, we look at Lesson 9, Blessed is He Who Comes in the Name of the Lord. Join us as we find Christ in the Book of Psalms. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right, here we are, Michael, Lesson 9, and our memory text is Psalms 118, verses 22 through 23. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. You know, as I, I think of that, I can't not think of going to Israel and Jerusalem, seeing they actually have the cornerstone of the temple or the two main te- stones are like buses. And it's amazing how wow. we have these expectations of what is there and yet find out that um, something's more important than we realize. Indeed. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And our Sunday's lesson starts yeah. us off with divine self-sacrificing shepherd and Michael, what a great insight there talking about that chief cornerstone. So take us there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's about Jesus, the shepherd, as, as you point out. And there's numerous references throughout Scripture. Uh, Psalm 23 just being like the, the classic apropos, the Lord is my shepherd, right? And there's a number of different examples. One other one, just very quickly, Psalm 28, verse 9, save your people, bless your inheritance, be their shepherd and carry them forever. And I, I think of the the poem Sandals. A lot of people I'm sure are familiar with that where yes. you, know, you only see one set of footprints and then and then Jesus the shepherd, you know, turns and says, That's when I carried you. So beautiful analogies, beautiful reminders. And and sometimes we have to be reminded that who we are too, right? That means we do. But but yeah, the shepherd who sacrifices himself for his sheep and we have some New Testament examples. Again, this is a pervasive th- theme throughout Scripture. John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Remind me, I was a, a, a young pastor long ago, far away, and I uh, lived out in the countryside, and there's a big flock of sheep. And one Sabbath, I was just driving along the highway, a little two-lane country road, just driving along, came over a little crest of a hill. And to my horror, I saw a huge flock of sheep. So I, <laughs> I hit the brakes and, you know, sometimes you can skid and come to such a quick stop, you fishtail a little bit. And when I, I came to a complete stop after doing a little fishtail, there at the end of my car was this sheep just looking up at me, you know, bah, you know, like you, <laughs> you just don't know how, how close you came to being lamb chop. <laughs> and after a little bit, I mean, I couldn't go anywhere. So like a flood of sheep just all around my car pretty soon. And then the shepherd comes along. He was in cowboy gear on horseback. And, you know, he's like, howdy. And I'm like, howdy. And and I said, I almost took out one of your sheep. And he said, you know, I, that's okay if you did one every once in a while. So <laughs> <laughs> different story from the the 99 and the one, huh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Don't don't worry about that sheep. <laughs> and and uh, so I just you know I've never forgotten that. And, and what a contrast to Jesus, the good shepherd, the self-sacrificing shepherd. And not only is he that, he's also the suffering shepherd, suffering Messiah. Yeah. So 
This is covering Psalms 22 and Psalm 118, which is our memory text. And Psalms 22 especially has a special place in my heart because I remember sitting, it's probably early teen Sabbath school, and we went over for our Sabbath school lesson and just recognizing the prophetic nature of Christ on the cross is written here in Psalms. And I'm going to read just verse 1 and I think 14 and 15. But verse 1 of Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? And this takes me to the Garden of Gethsemane, Michael, where mm-hmm. Christ is praying for this cup to pass from, from him and asking, why have you forsaken me? But then he comes out of there strengthened, and some uh, versions of the Gospels share that angels came and strengthened him. Uh, but we also see here in verse 14, I am, I am poured out like water. And my and all my bones are out of joint, but they're not broken. That's important to realize. My heart is like wax; it has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. And we see here once again we see the the Messiah suffering, and this is a glimpse of him on the cross. Nothing to drink. The the and and the, his his side that was pierced afterwards. And seeing the the water and the blood mingled together, pouring out of his side, shows this suffering Messiah and what he has done for us. And then you couple that up with Psalm 18, verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. He knew he was going to go through this from the foundation of the earth, that he was going to take this, this journey. And he still decided to do it because of the effect of what it was going to do. Uh, this week, one of my friends who's uh, getting ready to preach on numbers shared with me the text. He's like, what, how do I preach on this? Of uh, the, the gentleman who collected sticks on the Sabbath, and he is stoned right away as a result of it. <laughs> and he said, you know, we break the rules today and everything else. And we got into the, the stories about the covenants and the old versus new. And he said, well, you know what? We still fail all the time. And I said, yes, the difference now is we have a Savior who has, who has taken on everything and has died in our stead it's like the old covenant said god we got this we're going to take care of it and we've proven time and time again we can't do that but we can rely on christ and his suffering was not in vain his suffering was so that we can be saved and not just eternally and in the future but also physically in the here and now of recognizing that our guilt and our our pain can be turned to him as we go to him as our high priest and so michael Take us now to forever faithful to his covenant. Yeah, so we're talking about uh, covenant, which is all that means is this is some kind of agreement. It's usually what we most often think of, right? Uh, but in the ancient world, in the ancient Near East, there's the suzerain or suzerainty covenant, which is usually where someone gives their loyalty, right? And so usually there's some kind of sacrifice and everything else, but but here we have a specific kind of covenant that's described for us. And the lesson calls it, it's called by Bible students for a long time. So this is not new, but the Davidic covenant. And so uh. Davidic covenant, right? And so here's a couple of passages for us. Psalm 89 is talking about this. And verse 27, I'll appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. He's talking about David and his progeny. And, and, and basically this idea that, that they will, you know, they will not only rule Israel, but they, they will provide 
significant leadership says most exalted of the kings of the earth right so that's that's kind of that's pretty that's pretty stunning and you think about that uh, right afterwards solomon right becomes this the influential monarch and and it's interesting it says i will maintain this is verse 28 i will maintain my love to him forever and my covenant will, with him will never fail so first thing i want to note is that it's it, when it comes to um god's covenant with us whatever form that we may be talking of i mean ultimately is the everlasting covenant which is the whole plan of salvation right but but right here we're talking about a specific um part of that story and god uh promises that he will take care of he, god god doesn't fall back on his promises he doesn't ah, i feel like this today tomorrow i don't feel like it no he really he he always is the one that comes through and uh, and what does he promise to david if they are faithful to the covenant right he right. says we'll establish his line that's david's line that's the again his progeny him and his progeny forever and my covenant with him will never fail i'll establish his line forever his his throne as long as the heavens endure so this is promise like hey if you pay attention and are faithful you guys are going to be the storyline of of the that could carry this through the plan of salvation and I, I think that's how god works oftentimes god god has a plan doesn't maybe work out and then god's kind of stuck going with the kind of a backup you know <laughs> yes that seems to be the story of the the plan of salvation is is god constantly giving and creating opportunities for human beings to to he, he wants all if possible to be saved and of course there is also the warning verses 30 to 32 if his sons that's david's sons forsake my law don't follow my statutes if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I will punish their sin with the rod and their iniquity, iniquity with flogging. In other words, if, if you're faithful, there's blessings. If, if not, the deal's off, you might say, right? This promise of, of, the, of, of being able to rule the kings of the earth, that's not going to happen. So God's kind of inviting both David and ancient Israel there. Hey, be faithful, pay attention. I love you. My love endures forever. And the greatest blessing of all that comes out of the Davidic covenant isn't earthly power. It's the promise of the right. seed, promise of the Messiah, which we were just talking in the previous part. And it's a major recurring theme throughout Psalms and talks about my firstborn. That's, that's talking about, well, the firstborn of all creations. These are references, you know, expressions that refer to, to, to the Messiah, to Jesus. And, and so we see for us kind of like a type a description of what is going to happen in the anti-type when Jesus actually does come. So God invites us to be faithful. Hey, pay attention. I love you. I've got great promises. I want to do great things because I have great plans for us together. God's trying to say to us or to ancient Israel, right? And Amen. of course, those, those are challenges and the story will go on, but at least there's the invitation. And that's the beautiful part of this psalm. Well, not only that, we have, you know, this invitation, but we have invitation, or at least anciently, <laughs> to uh, talking about David and the Messiah, about the eternal king of unrivaled power. What's that all about, Buster? You, you know, I, I'm going to just, uh, I won't be here very long because I'll let the audience to read through Psalm 2, 1 through 12, Psalms 110, 1 through 3, Psalms 89, verse 4, Psalms 89, 13 through 17. And Psalm 110 and 5 through 6, because I'm pretty sure, and Michael, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is probably what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the other Cs read before the Messiah came, because this is 
Christ coming in his kingly power. And I want to especially look at Psalm uh, 110, verses 5 through 6. This is what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. They were oppressed by uh, Rome, and they wanted to... They wanted to be exalted once again as a nation. And so 5 through 6 of Psalm 110 says, The Lord is at your right hand. He mm -hmm. shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. That's intense right there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like Israel's <laughs> reading there. They're like, yes, yeah. wait, this, this is the Messiah? He's lowly. He's meek. He is, in oh. their eyes, he's weak, but he's actually the one who had the most strength of all. He had mm -hmm. patience, he had kindness, he had love, but they didn't want love. They wanted someone with power that was going to execute milit mil militant power that was this going to, power. yeah, yeah, wow. exactly, that was going to liberate them. And I, and I wonder how oftentimes in our own lives, we're looking for the same thing in our own prayer lives or just in our lives, Lord. He correct this. I need your financial power. I need your <laughs> matchmaking power for, you know, like young people that are looking. Lord, I need your I need your physical power. I need your, whatever power you're looking for. You're saying, God, I need this from you. And we forget that he is meek and lowly. And mm -hmm. sometimes he allows us to go through the things that we're going through to remind us not not just of our need of him, but to remind us of of our humanity. Like this is things that and he reminds us. I've gone through these things with you. I've gone through these things before you in our day and age. And so as we're going through that, as we're reading, I just want the audience to remember that Christ is king, but he is also Lord. And I think the, audit of the, the lesson does a great, good, great job of that, talking about his suffering, talking about his covenant, talking about his power, but also mm -hmm. just covering the whole gamut of who Christ is. And we need to remember that when we're seeking his power, Remember that it's his. It's not ours. We don't get to wield his power. Uh, no. We don't use him. He uses us. We can request it. We can ask for it. But it doesn't always mean that he's going to execute it in the way that we want him to. And so, Michael, that takes us to Thursday's lesson, Eternal Priest in the Order of Melchizedek. This is really fun because, I mean, as Adventists, we talk about the sanctuary, the sanctuary, the sanctuary, the ancient you know, sanctuary. The, the Israelites had the temple but also the heavenly sanctuary, and most of all, the heavenly sanctuary being the throne room of God where Christ in his ministry, where he ministers as our heavenly high priest. And we've got a couple of verses here. Psalm 110 uh, talks about this, this, this description of being a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, right? So, so what is going on? Well, there's the ancient priesthood, and, and even with the ancient Israel, they had to be reminded, say, well, there's even something more superior. If you think your priests are all that, you know, and amazing, there was another priest even before. And even before that is a reminder that, that the Messiah is, Jesus is ultimately our high priest that everything else points to. So we, sometimes we need some reminders of this that, and that the ministry of Christ itself is special and unique. We find this in Hebrews 7. And I would encourage our listeners, you know, listen to read these passages very carefully. Some people ask, you know, why, why do Adventists believe in the sanctuary? Is, is, is that really a biblical doctrine? Well, Hebrews is your book. Hebrews 7 is your chapter right here. I mean, this is tight. And uh, talking about Jesus being the guarantor, now I'm using the NIV, the guarantor of a better covenant. So all of this is 
is is is nothing in comparison to what Jesus does. I mean, it's the real deal, as we say. And so he's the guarantor of this better covenant. It's the covenant that really counts. It's the covenant of the sacrifice, the covenant of his ministry in the heavenly sanctuary on our behalf because of what Jesus is doing for us. And verse 25 is one of my favorite verses. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. And so I, I think this is a, a promise that, that we need to understand and remember the sanctuary. It points back. It's not efficacious if it hadn't been for the atonement of Christ on, on Calvary. Some people misunderstand this and think, well, Adventists don't really believe in the atonement of Christ on Calvary. Absolutely, they do. Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> ministry wouldn't matter if Jesus hadn't died for us. But but that that what Jesus did is part of this better covenant, it's part of this ministry that continues on because until the plan of salvation is completed and sin is vanquished, there is a active work that is going on to save you and me, humanity, fallen humanity, because he loves us. And so, and and if we understand this concept properly, how this how this is this is very biblical concept. Verse 26, it says it truly meets our need. It, Jesus scratches where it itches. He knows we need salvation. We need grace, yeah. all of those things to our sin problem. And so, and, and, and as Adventists, I, I think we have to remember, it's not only in the past what was, you know, happened on Calvary. It's not just ongoing what Christ is doing in the heavenly sanctuary, but that ministry of Christ continues for all eternity. It doesn't go away. It doesn't stop. We still will always, through all the eons of time, look back at what happened at Calvary and say, thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you. And so, so just re this context of what is Christ's ministry in the heavenly sanctuary is something very special. Spe it's an important part of our theology as Seventh-day Adventists. We need to spend time and reflect and remember why the sanctuary matters. And it matters because of who Jesus is and what he does for us in that uh, role as our high priest, even better high priest than all of these other examples that, that they just merely point to. So, and when we realize what Jesus has done for us, we call him blessed, which is the theme for this week's lesson. Amen. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And I, I think that gives us a chance to give the invitation to our audience, Michael, is make mm -hmm. sure that we are, we are actually coming to the Lord. I'm going through a book right now and there's moments of it where, I mean, huge portions of it I agree with it and portions where I'm like, oh, wishy-washy, but Lisa Miller, The Awakened Brain, she's a professor of, of uh, psychiatry, but also spirituality at Columbia. And she came up with this study and it's fascinating, Michael. Basically, she, her and her team, they did scans of the brain and in a large case study, and the brains of people that considered themselves spiritual, and not just considered, they had some criteria, people that connected with God on a spiritual level every day for at least eight years. There's a portion of the brain that was just lit up red, and those people were 80% less likely or 50 to 80% less likely to suffer with depression and anxiety. I mean, mm -hmm. she, just, she has some, some phenomenal works out there that, that just shows in her studies, but she was just saying that it just made me realize as I was reading it that sometimes, especially in the Adventist church, Michael, we have church and we have re religion, but we don't necessarily have spirituality, meaning an mm -hmm. actual relationship with Jesus. And yeah. it's so important to not just attend church, 
to not just read the Sabbath school lesson or just read the Bible, but to connect with the personal Savior who wants to speak into our lives and who wants to connect with us and who wants us to rely on him. We're going through good things. We're going through bad things, but to have an actual personal Savior. And so I, I just give that to the audience of making sure that we're actually having that relationship with the with the Savior who's in the heavenly sanctuary right now interceding on our behalf. And, and, and by the way, I say that not to say that he's shielding us from the Father, but to say that he's actually trying to shield us from our own lives and mm-hmm. he's, he's with us. Mm-hmm. And so I leave that with you in that challenge. Blessed is he, let us come in the name of the Lord ourselves before his throne. Well, beautiful thought. And uh, I already just went on Amazon and, and Kindle and bought the book. So Buster, I yes, tantalized me and maybe some others will want to read that as well as you go through your lesson this week. But uh, this has been a, a great encouragement to keep our eyes on Jesus and we call him blessed. So you've been listening to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast. This is Soup and Swoops signing, signing out. out. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible. And be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, SaddleSchoolRescue.org, for each weekly episode.